How can you reach your health and fitness goals without feeling overwhelmed or defeated? I learned things the hard way when I started my journey almost a decade ago. Now I run an online business dedicated to helping women avoid all of the mistakes I made along the way. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in my own journey and in helping hundreds of women through theirs. If you want real results and an approach that is sustainable for, well, real life, then the Fit to Live podcast with your host, me, Sydney Tollett, is going to be your new best friend. I'll see you inside. Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So we have a guest today. So we have Aram and his Instagram is four weeks to the beach, which is actually kind of funny because it seems like against (laughs) what you market. So I'm actually kind of curious, like how that came to be. But yeah, I'll just let you introduce yourself first. I found your Instagram probably a few months ago and we connected and I love your content. So yeah, introduce yourself. How long have you been in like the online fitness space and I am curious about your Instagram handle as well (laughs) well I appreciate you having me thank you and uh it's always nice to be able to connect with fitness people locally because there's really there's a lot of influencers here there's not a lot of professionals here in San Diego so it's good to see a professional um uh my Instagram handle came from the idea that we should all be living in like a very solid maintenance level of behavior So basically, like, you should be proud of how you eat, you should be proud of how you feel, you should be proud of how you train. And if you wanted to amplify your aesthetic for whatever reason, let's say you had an event coming up in four or six weeks, let's say you had a a birthday party to go to, or like here in San Diego, we have pool parties to go to. And let's say you just wanted to be a little bit more finely tuned and just a little bit more crisped up and just had more confidence walking into the event. You don't have to overhaul your entire lifestyle to get there, right? It's not like the... I have 70 pounds to lose and I have to be in Cancun in three weeks, like help me. Yeah. Well, that ain't going to happen. But if if you have a half a percentage of body fat that you'd like to get down and you want to tighten up your habits and your eating and your training a little bit to prepare, and it's really more mental than anything because most of it, nine out of 10 times when you're walking around with those types of habits, you're probably looking and feeling good already. But if you wanted to get that little bit of added layer, so it's not that uh, this idea that you're you're never really more than four or six weeks away from feeling your best and mm-hmm. looking your best. Oh, okay, I like yeah. it. Okay. And as far yeah, so it's it's very much far from like the quick fix idea. But yeah. uh, professionally, I've been on the floor as a trainer, training people in person now for going on fifteen years online, solely online now. Well, with the exception of a couple in person clients, still. Uh, I've been in the online space since 2021, like fully, fully online. Prior to that, I was almost all in person. Okay. Well, I actually started like full-time coaching, I think in 2021, I didn't have 15 years of in-person experience before. Um, So how did your social media, and I don't even know this, how did it grow initially? Like, did you intend for it to grow how it did? Or did you just kind of like start posting stuff and it just kind of grew on its own? My social media, when I first started it back in 2015, was very much self-serving. It was like your typical douchebag fitness guys, like shirtless workouts, thirst trap, laying on the floor, sweaty pics, just all stuff to get attention. And um, I just realized very quickly, because I wasn't really a, wasn't trying to be an online coach back then. So I wasn't really creating content to help people. I was just creating content to just be like anybody else on Instagram, like, hey, hey, look at me. Or, you know, stupid stuff that people don't care about. So when I started to switch into being more helpful and more tactical online, I realized that, like, people are not missing anything but the basics. Like, the crazy stuff doesn't matter. 
hammering them with the truth is what they need, maybe making them think outside the box a little bit or approach things a little bit differently than they usually did. So I'm changing perspective, being able to get them to provoke some thought, simplify things that are very, very overcomplicated in our industry. And that's kind of how it started to grow. It became very shareable. It became very digestible. It started to provoke a lot of conversation. So a lot of DM conversations were starting to happen. I mean, there's people that I've, that I've been talking to through Instagram DM for three years that aren't clients of mine, but that have been getting advice from me forever. And they've told me they've lost 40 pounds. They've improved their, they've improved their relationship with food. Their body image has gotten better because it's all just, I, I you know, our content's not always going to pop off. Like you can put up a post that you think is amazing and tomorrow it gets three likes and like no shares. And then the next day you put up something that you didn't even put any thought into and all of a sudden it gets a thousand, you know, likes and all these shares. And you're like, I don't get it. So to me, it's like anything else. Not every day is going to be a great eating day. Not every day is going to be a good training day. Not every day is going to be a good content posting day, but it doesn't make, it means that we just have to keep going. Yeah. I think I found it from your page from like a share of like one of your text posts or whatever that you post a lot. Um, so yeah. Okay. So it was just like, you never went into it with like, I want to do online coaching and just kind of like transition into that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I was forced online because of my move geographically. Cause when I moved from okay. Connecticut to California, I lost my entire book of business. I was doing probably six to eight training sessions a day, seven days a week during COVID. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then I just, then I, when I moved here, obviously I didn't have any in-person clients. So I was forced to be all remote. I feel like it actually, or at least from what I've seen, obviously this isn't everyone, but typically the coaches who it did kind of just happen. I just feel like have a little bit better of intentions with their marketing for the most part. Um, just with like, whenever it just kind of happened from you putting out value versus like, I want to be an online coach. How many clients can I get by like you know, three months from now or whatever, which is very different to marketing, um, which was actually the next thing that I was going to ask you about. Cause I know we talked about at the gym the other day, like just some of the fear-based marketing, like the weight loss resistance and just like any, you know, combo of fear marketing out there. What are some of your pet peeves like in marketing right now specifically? Um, because obviously there's so much that's either totally a lie or even just like kind of misleading. So what are your thoughts on that? And maybe some specifics that you're noticing? How much time you got, Sydney? So unfortunately, I'm like that old guy that's at his window while the kids are playing in his lawn at this point. Like that's how I feel when I'm on Instagram, when I'm watching other people post stuff. It just makes me cringe. It makes me wonder why they're doing it. It makes me wonder why they can't just do it the right way. Because to me, metabolism is real, but it's not this like amazing on and off switch that everybody thinks it is. Hormones are real, but they're usually not the reason why you're not getting results. Um, fasting works, keto works, low carb, high carb works. Every diet works. You know, it's you put rules on somebody's eating and all of a sudden they start eating better and all of a sudden they start losing weight. None of these things are a mystery. And I think what people really need to understand is that biology, physiology, and anatomy have not changed in over a thousand years. Like our body physically is the same exact body it used to be before we had lights, before we had Instagram, before we had cars. Like our body physically has not changed at all. Our environment is distinctly different. So when I see things like, well, you need a, met a metabolic reset or you need a gut reset, like... The human anatomy is set up with all of these fail safes and safeguards in place already. Like your kidneys and your livers and your pancreas are doing the job of filtration every single day. You don't need to starve yourself or fast for 48 hours to clean toxins out. Like 
when I hear the word toxin, I, I, I'm like imagining like, are people drinking motor oil? Are people like putting arsenic in their food on purpose? Like who is, who is voluntarily consuming? Like the only actual toxin that's approved for human consumption is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like alcohol is an actual like science-based toxin that our body has no filtration system for. It has no storage mechanism for it. It has to get rid of it. So like you're talking to me about like, you know, seed oils being toxic or gluten being bad or oatmeal being horrible for you because of its byproducts. Meanwhile, you're drinking three or four nights a week. Like you're missing the forest for the trees and you're being misled by people that are trying to sell you a solution to a problem you don't even have. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to, to scare you into thinking that their way is the right way. Everybody else is crazy. And if you don't listen to them, you're going to be sick, fat, and stupid. And that's just not the case. So it's just, it's annoying because people are being misled because people aren't doing what we've done and have gone down this low road of massive amounts of education and constant re-education and continued education and learning from others that are better than us and always reading the literature that's real literature, not like a business weekly article, but like an actual nutrition article that was written by a nutritional professional as opposed to a correspondent at the New York Times who doesn't know anything about nutrition. So we're just, we're not getting reliable information from anybody that's mainstream right they have to like search you out they have to search me out they have to search our colleagues out or else they're not going to get that they're going to get whatever they get on usa today mm-hmm. or they're going to get something that they heard about through a secondhand person like judy at work told me that she's doing this or market work said that he's doing that it's just it's a very wild wild west type of a landscape yeah and then we have like as coaches who don't market that way still end up having to like diffuse that with the people who come in to work with us because they think that they have whatever name was tied to it. Um, yeah, it's definitely, is that something that you're seeing like more commonly? Cause you've been in this longer than me. So is that something that you're seeing more commonly now people coming in thinking they have a lot of problems than like they used to, has it like shifted? Do you think? I think more so, I mean, I work with mostly women. So especially, you know, I work with a lot of women that are either entering into perimenopause or in menopause or postmenopausal. So I definitely see that there's a lot of, I'm broken, it's my age, it's my metabolism, it's menopause, you know, versus not really ever having a a, a, a real idea of, of their behaviors over the last 15 or 20 years and just misunderstanding that the role that they personally play in their own health and their own wellness you know, just, just the simplicity of just advocating for yourself and asking questions and being involved and being a participant in your own change. A lot of people take a very passive approach to their health and they do so until it becomes a problem or until it becomes a frustration that they have to then fix aesthetically. And typically most of these changes are aesthetically driven. They're not physically driven. They're not driven by quality of life, right? Like a woman doesn't come to you and say, I just really wish I got my energy back. Like she's like, no, I want to look good in a bikini in six months. That's like, that's normally, now granted, there are some people that come to me and they say they want to improve their relationship with food. People can say whatever they want to say. At the end of it, I understand human psychology. Most people want to be more confident in and out of their clothes. Mm-hmm. That's why they choose to eat a certain way. That's why they choose to train. That's why they choose to listen to all these different types of advice because they want to just look and feel better. But if you were to ask somebody what's more important to you, more often than not, people are going to say, I want to look a certain way, right? It's like they'll almost sacrifice feeling good if they got that ideal body. And that's your perfect case of any bodybuilder in the world is not a healthy person. You know, a bikini girl who's 
12% body fat who's been eating 900 calories on her, on her way into a prep is not a healthy person. Just because she looks amazing and she has no body fat and all this visible muscle mass that ends up being very, very alluring to other women, the woman doesn't understand the context behind what that person is doing to get to those degrees of leanness. And it's very, very damaging to the human physiology if it's done improperly. And unfortunately, it's being done improperly with not a lot of good guidance. Yeah, I actually... I don't know how you probably have not like scrolled back on my Instagram, but I used to weigh like, I'm probably like 30 to 35 pounds less than I do now. And I was super lean. I got so much attention on Instagram. And like, I've even had comments of like, oh, like you have like gained weight. And I'm like, yeah, I also didn't have a period. <laughs> and I had a like, so low energy and just like so many issues. But it's like, what's it got me more attention and all of that, which is like, also part of why I shifted my content less about my body more about just like the lifestyle habits and feeling good and like having a physique you're confident in but like you don't have to be shredded and like feeling like trash all the time so how do you since you do work with mostly women how do you like I guess set or reset those expectations I'm sure it takes like some time and a lot of like intentional conversation not just like hey here's a here's a plan I'm going to email off to you really quick. So yeah, how do you have those conversations with people? You have to set the expectation from the beginning. People have to really understand and respect their starting point more than anything else, right right from the get-go. So in my opinion, the role of a coach is to be a guide. It's to be a support system. It's to be an accountability buddy, and it's to be an educator. Um, and that sometimes means that you might have to play good cop, bad cop. Sometimes you have to be able to call people out on their shit. Some people you have to be a little bit more empathetic towards, but empathy can also very often spill into complacency. Mm -hmm. So you want to be empathetic enough to understand somebody's problems, but you also have to understand that the root of most people's problems is their own behavior. And a lot of that is tied into their identity, their traumas, their limiting belief systems. A lot of psychology starts to come in, into play when we're talking about this stuff. So it's not just calories in calories out it's not rep sets and weight it's not it's that stuff is very simple i mean like the simplicity of that is actually boring to me at this point what's complicated and complex is how does a person make this all stick and how do they do it consistently how are they able to do that on the weekends when everybody else is partying and drinking and eating out how are they able to do it when their kids are sick and they're overloaded at home how are they able to do it when they're out of a job how are they able to do it when they're stressed out because their dog just died or their father's in the hospital so it's establishing baseline standards for yourself and saying, I don't, I know that the aesthetic is going to follow the habits, not the, not the other way around. Like I'm not going to get this amazing physique. And then I'm all of a sudden going to start to support that with my habits. It's I earn my physique with my habits, but along the way, I realized that I may not even care to get to those levels of leanness anymore. Right? Like I, I as a 40 year old man now, I don't know, 15% body fat, something like that. But like, I don't care. Like, I just, I don't have the bandwidth to have to worry about like every line in my shoulders and, you know, where my next plastic meal container is coming from. Like, I don't want to live like that. I want to be able to have a burger on the weekends. I want to be able to have dinner out impromptu on a Wednesday night if I feel like it without having any mental stress over it. I want to be able to miss a workout, not beat myself up. And that's the stuff that I talk to my female clients about because I want them to understand if you plan on doing this for a lifetime, you have plenty of opportunities to get back on the horse. But if your average behavior is so solid and you're so convicted with it and you're, and you're consistent about it and you're truly trusting this process, 
you do this because you respect yourself. You do this because you want to be an example for your children. You want to do this because it's going to increase the quality of your life. You're just going to show up to everything else in your life better. So who cares if you're five or seven or 15 pounds heavier than you were before, you may actually enjoy how you feel today because you're not worrying about the scale constantly, or you're not freaking out about missing a workout. You're not freaking out about having an extra dinner out that week because you got bloated and now you stepped on a scale and it was four pounds heavier. That's the stuff that we have to get people to start to understand. And even just like more, I think, self-trust in decision-making. I think so many people, like I have clients who they really want like an exact formula for eating out. Like they want me to tell them what to order. And I just like, I think it's so we build like their own confidence with decision-making with that, which does take time. And especially depending like how many lies they've been fed in the past or just like different fat diets and stuff. But yeah, that's definitely something the expectations up front is like so key, but I think I don't necessarily, and I don't know what you do. I don't necessarily tell someone like, Hey, you can't reach this goal. Like you said, it more happens over time that people kind of shift and they're like, Oh, maybe I don't care if I weigh 115 pounds, you know, again, or whatever. I just tell them like, show me your, show me your lifestyle now. Like I can't tell you where you're going to go if I don't see what you're doing. So like, let's say somebody said, like, I've, I've had a, a pretty solid level of interest lately and I've signed a few new people up and everybody comes to me with the same question. Like, like what, what can I expect? Like how much weight am I going to lose? Like, like, I'm like, I don't know. You have, you haven't logged your food yet. I haven't seen how you train yet. I haven't seen what happens on the weekends. I haven't seen what happens when you go on vacation. I haven't seen what happens when you've had a bad day. Let me get a month or two worth of data first. And I understand like, like people are paying us money. They want to understand what, what the direction is. Well, the direction is let's build a foundational baseline of habits first. And once we have that in place and we can measure all of it and we can evaluate all of it, we give you feedback on all of it, then we decide which direction we want to take. Because at that point, we're armed with real information. Right now, if you come to me and you say, well, I eat really well, I don't understand. Like I had a perfect example. I had a woman reach out to me last week and we connected on WhatsApp. She's actually, I think she, she lives in Africa. And she started sending me screenshots of her, uh, my fitness pal. And she's telling me like, I'm doing it. And, and from a knowledge-based perspective, if you on paper, she's got all the terminology down. She knows how to use the, the verbiage properly. She rattles off all these complicated terms. And you can just tell like she's been following really decent content for a while. Sends me the screenshots of, of my fitness pal. 140 grams of protein, 130 grams of carbs, 180 grams of fat. I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. She's like, I'm hitting my protein every day. I said, you are, but you're hitting it at the expense of also eating 2,800 calories on 140 pound body weight, which you can't handle clearly. She said, well, well, I, I thought that it didn't matter how much fat and carbs I ate as long as I ate protein. I said, yeah, if you listen to coach asshole who tells you that carbs, don't, that carbs and fats don't matter, but they also should tell you that calories matter because they do. And if you just, cause you hit your protein, doesn't you mean your protein sources were lean enough to keep your fat calories down? So it's something simple as like, she probably talked to 50 other people on through her DMs, right? That probably never gave her the time of the day because she wasn't buying anything. She doesn't have the money. She lives in Ghana, right? She's not going to hire me for $275 a month. She could barely afford to keep a phone and an Instagram account. So she's probably gone and reached out to multiple people and they've probably all been like, well, you know, unless you buy my program, whatever. I went through and I spent an hour looking at everything she sent me. She sent me progress pictures. She sent me training plans. She sent me videos of her training. And I very quickly determined you eat too much and you don't train that hard. That was my, that was, that was the answer after an hour of dissecting her information. 
And that's, it's, it's usually just as simple as that. Yeah. And like you said about the foundational, like baseline first, I always do that because people think that they eat like a certain amount of calories and then you get them to even like you put somebody on 1800 calories and they're like, this is so much food. And I'm like, that's because you're used to eating not whole foods. Like this isn't, you were eating way more calories than that. And they get like shocked that it's like, I'm losing weight from these habits and like foundations, but it's just like the shift. Do you focus on that up front with somebody like their diet quality, like first thing, I assume? Absolutely. It's the easy, it's the easiest rock to turn. I mean, the nutrient, the nutrient density versus calorie density discussion is such an easy one to show them because it's, you know, forever we had this idea and I was hooked, line and sinker bought into it as well. When I first started coaching, I'm like, oh my God, everybody has to reverse diet. Everybody has to eat more calories. And that's how, because their body fat is stubborn and it doesn't want to go anywhere because they're not eating enough food. And then I thought about it as like now that I've been doing it for years, like just thinking about how stupid that actually is in your head. It's like, I don't, I don't have any money in my bank account. So I'm going to spend more of it until all of a sudden more shows up. That's essentially what you're saying to people, like eat more calories to lose weight. No, no. You can eat more food, physically volumes of more food for much less of a caloric cost because you're eating them in their natural whole food sourced format versus I'm grabbing and growing something at Starbucks every morning. I'm eating a lunch at, I'm eating lunch with that's got cheese and nuts and avocado and dressing that I can't measure. So I'm eating a salad. And then at dinner, all I had was steak and vegetables. Well, okay, cool. Again, you ate it out. And then you also washed that down with two and a half containers of or cups of, of wine, which are never properly measured. So it's it's you have the right intentions, but you have the wrong application because you're misunderstanding how much is actually in these things. And as a 150-pound woman who can who can maintain her weight at 15 or 1,600 calories, two or three meals out a week is going to blow out your calorie average for the week very easily. I mean, I'm a 210-pound man. I can maintain my weight at 3,500 calories. I, I have to try to physically gain weight. Like if I don't pay attention to it, I, I can't. I'll actually end up losing weight. Because my because because of the amount of muscle mass I've accumulated over the course of 25 years of lifting weights, the amount of I don't know how high my calories have been able to go up because of all that work. But like last night, hot dog from Five Guys. So by the way, if if you've ever looked at the menu at Five Guys, the burger, the double burger that they normally come with is 920 calories, and that's let's let's just assume that's anywhere near correct. The fries are just under 800 calories. The the regular fries. So one meal, if I was just to eat the fries and the burger, that's one person's entire caloric intake for one day. But if they're, let's say they already had breakfast, let's say they already had lunch, and then that's their like fun meal. Well, that fun meal just became a catastrophe for you. Mm -hmm. Again, I can handle that. Like I can, I can go look and tell you to the gram that yesterday was a 4,800 calorie day with 202 grams of fat eaten yesterday. That's an enormous, enormous amount of calories coming from fat. But 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 you don't, but you don't even say like that's, and that's, again, that's, that's not uncommon for people to consume because they have no idea that that's happening because they haven't done that level of awareness and quantification because it's too much work. Well, what's the alternative is you don't know what you're eating and you don't know how much is you're actually consuming. And then you're flying blind and then you're frustrated and you wonder why. 
And I think a lot of the marketing out there on like, oh, eat more and lose weight is very, it's, I have to unravel it a lot with especially like my girls who are like five, two, and they are like confused at why I am being more strict on like all the eating out and things like that. And I think part of it does come from a lot of, and you mentioned the reverse dieting, which I think a lot of people use as a marketing thing of like, oh, eat more and lose. But there's so many like little nuances with that of like why someone is quote unquote eating more and losing, which I, that could be like a whole episode. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the article that was it Eric Helms? Did he do a big article on reverse dieting? Is that him that did that? So Trexler, oh, Eric, Tre Eric, Eric Trexler is kind of a, I want, I don't want to say he's an anti-reverse diet. We actually did a podcast with him too, okay. but Trexler has been a researcher in the field for a very long time. And he's basically shown that it's not that, that the reverse diet itself is somebody simply eating more calories. It's obviously nutrient density and calories are lower, but it's also compliance goes up, right? Like when you put somebody on an actual plan with, with guardrails, and rules and regulations. Now they're just not eating whatever the hell they want. They're eating, okay, you're going to eat off of this list of foods in these quantities. Mm -hmm. So you may actually feel fuller per meal because you're eating more real food. Mm -hmm. And that's why the common thing that we always get from all of our female clients, especially like, well, I can't eat all this protein. Yeah, but I just saw what you ate on Saturday when you had the quesadilla and a mountain of tortilla chips and two margaritas for brunch. You had no problem with that. But then when I stick six ounces of salmon and 200 grams of potatoes and a bunch of vegetables in your face, it's all of a sudden too much food. And this is why I always tell people, like, you're not going to come back for seconds if you're eating well. Like, I'm not sitting there being like, oh, man, I want another eight ounces of, of, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm eating another eight ounces of chicken because that was just, that just didn't fill me up. But like last night after that burger and fries, if I waited an hour and a half, I could have eaten that again. It's not a filling meal. It's not like, yes, it's very fat heavy and it's dense. But as far as food volume is concerned, I'm used to eating 10, 12 ounces of ground beef at a clip on top of like egg whites on top of that and vegetables on top of that. And then two slices of sourdough bread. Like I'm eating a ton of food for way less calories than that burger was. So we have to just start to show people like this is what's happening on paper this is how you feel. This is the disconnect. And then when they start to visualize it and see it, then they start to buy into it and they believe it. But without that education, we're just throwing stuff at them and they have no idea why because nobody's actually spent the time to support and educate them. Yeah. I think it helps their relationship with food too, to see that. Like, I don't think it's a, some people act like that's like bad to like compare the foods, but to me, it's an empowering thing because then you're like, okay, it's not that this food is like bad in all circumstances it's like understanding the context of like how it can fit but you don't have to say that it's like the burger that you ate didn't just ruin your health in a day but like if we're no. talking about calories so to me it actually helps people's relationship with food more than anything um, I agree. I feel like more empowered around those decisions even though it is like a wake-up call and sometimes it's like oh dang that sucks but but that's but don't you but don't you want people to make educated decisions right like don't you yeah. want our I mean I would imagine if I was signing up for a program I don't want to just be like a like just be like a monkey just that gets told what to do and then I just follow orders like I want to understand the why behind why I'm doing this so with a lot of coaches out there they're just not spending the time to explain to people all these things and then when they're being asked questions they're annoyed by those questions it's like well these people don't know and they hired you to do a job and now you're getting mad at them for asking questions. You should be, they should be encouraged to ask questions. I had a woman today asking me like, you know, what, what kind of rice is better? I said, honestly, it doesn't matter. But if, but if I were to choose my personal preference is Jasmine and Basmati, white rice, easy to digest, you know, tasty. 
She said, well, I heard brown rice is better. I said, you probably heard a lot of things. And it doesn't make it necessarily better just because there's a little bit more fiber in it. It's actually much harder to digest for most people. And if you're having trouble with digestion and bloating already, why would you eat something that's harder to digest versus simpler? Now, again, she's been fed these ideas that like white, anything white has been bleached and bleach is bad and it's chemicals. Meanwhile, I don't understand where this comes from. Like nobody bleached the rice. It's just white because that's how it comes out of the kernel. Um, but again, like it's just, it's just the lack of information. Yeah, I agree. I see that stuff all the time. So what are obviously food tracking is something people try to avoid. What are like the other big things that you feel like people try to avoid and they try to pick other, like maybe even more difficult stuff, like what time should I eat? And like all of these other little things, what, yeah, sleep is another big one I see, but are there any that stand out to you outside of like food tracking being a big one? I think people underestimate the benefit of just daily movement and they overestimate the benefit of exercise. Like if you actually think about exercise as a fat loss tool, it's not very good, yeah. you know, because people think they're burning a ton of calories when they exercise. But the reality is, is we don't really have any good measurement systems for calories burned. We have a very good measurement system for calories ingested, right? Calories consumed. We can figure that out in two seconds and we can be pretty accurate about it. But we have no, I mean, our, you know, the, the, the Fitbit doesn't really know, the DEXA scan doesn't really know. Like none of these systems really understand how many calories we're expending. So let's just not worry about it. Let's just go to the gym with the intention to get stronger, to move better, to feel, to heal our aches and pains, to be more confident, to build some muscle. And let's use the kitchen as our number one place to lose fat because we can control calorie consumption. And that's where the root of all fat loss is going to come from. It's much easier to eat less than to do more work. Like at some point, you just don't have enough time in the day. Like if you were to tell somebody, you don't have to diet at all, none at all, but you have to do six hours of exercise per day. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to diet, that's what you have to do. You have to spend three hours on the elliptical, then you can take a break and then you can come back later, do two hours of weightlifting. Then you can take a break. Then you have to do another hour of mobility work and other stuff too. Like who's going to do that? just so they can eat whatever they want. Because a lot of coaches are like, eat what you want and still lose weight. It's like, if it was that easy, then all of us would look and feel amazing. But that's just not the case. Like, I can't, I love pizza. I love burgers. I love wings. I love ice cream. But if I was to eat that stuff every day, I would feel like it's shit. And I would obviously look much different than I do now. So I have to have some rules in place. Like are, every kid, every parent that you train has children. And every one of those kids has a bedtime a wake-up time, a schedule. They eat at the same time. They do the same things every day. But then all of a sudden, as adults, we lose that structure. And then because we lose that structure, we think we can just do whatever we want without any consequences. That's just not how it works. Like, I want to get the body back that I had when I was 20. Well, you're 45 now, and you have three kids, and you have all these stressors, and you barely sleep, and you're always on the go, and you don't prep your food in advance, and you eat whatever you want. Like, why do you expect that it's going to be the same as it was when you were 20? So even having those conversations with some of our clients is so crucial and not to attack them or make them feel like shit about themselves, but just to get them to think differently because they're so stuck in this very singular pattern of thinking and they have their blinders up because it's easier just to follow the stuff that sounds so ridiculously good versus like, it's going to take some elbow grease to get to you where you want to go. Yeah. And I do think also with just instilling these habits I don't know. I think a lot of people 
think that restriction, I guess, the term restriction is a bad thing. And we just have no boundaries or restrictions or most people don't have any. And so it can actually be a really like that term doesn't have to be a bad thing. Perspective. Um, yeah, perspective on that. And even just understanding like how it will benefit you to create some restriction in your life, which not even quote unquote, like it is like I restrict my intake every day, but I still enjoy it and I still feel really good. But well, I like eat whatever I want. So. Think about think about somebody who's married or has a relationship. Yeah. Like you have restrictions, right? Like you're not allowed to sleep with anybody else. Yeah. You're not allowed to talk to anybody else. Like you have restrictions. You have no problem following those rules. You get on the highway. You can't go over 75 miles an hour. That's a restriction. Nobody cares about that. Right? You have to be at work at a certain time or else you get fired. Nobody cares about that. But then when it comes to like, well, don't you dare tell me how I should eat. Well, if I didn't tell you how to eat, you would eat whatever the hell you want. And it's not like it's an environment where there's just like fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and lean meats just sitting around ready to go. Like yeah. that stuff requires preparation. If you were to walk into a gas station, there's not like a piece of beef just sitting there ready for you to consume. There's going to be a protein bar that's filled with a bunch of bullshit. There's candy bars and snacks and chips and all this other crap. You can make the better choices for sure if you're empowered to know how to do that. But it's not easy for us to eat healthy. Like we have to go out of our way and prepare to eat healthy. So this idea that like I'm not this is too restrictive or this is too hard. Well, it is just like making money is too hard. Like not everybody's walking around as a millionaire. Most people are average or below average. Like that's how it works. Most people are walking around fat and unhappy. That's how it works. The people that are fit and in shape have to go out of their way to do it. Yeah. And like live it as a consistent lifestyle. But then it's Perfect. like not. And like, we both enjoy this. It's not like it's miserable. Like I, I enjoy it. So I think sometimes people see it as like, oh, I have to do that forever, but it's actually like, I, we feel good and it's just, yeah. So, I mean, it's not always going to be this amazing. Like I'm not no. always like fired up to like run into the gym with a big smile on my face. Sometimes I'm just checking off a box, yeah. but it's like anything else. Like you're not always excited to go into work. You're not always excited to parent your kids. You're not always excited to even see some of your friends. Sometimes you're like, oh fuck, I got invited to another party. I don't feel like going. But then they go like, you know, you have to change your perspective of it because you know, it's never going to stop. That's the thing. So you can get, you have to convince people that there is no end result. Yeah. There's no end game. Like nothing just, you're just going to continue to evolve and change your behaviors the way you want them to. But the baseline of nutrition and training is always going to be the same as it should be. Yeah. So this is kind of like a different topic that I wanted to ask you about. So I think you kind of alluded to this earlier whenever you were talking about like coaches who um, are kind of doing different educational things and like all of that. But I definitely see like content nowadays with coaches is like getting more and more, I would say, overcomplicated. That's also one thing I love about your com uh, content is it's really just like simple and it's like the truth. Um, but I definitely see it's more so now coaches not even necessarily wanting to maybe, and I think some people have good intentions, but not necessarily thinking about the client that they're trying to attract, but just like almost wanting to up level each other's knowledge. Um, so <laughs> I assume based on your face, like you're seeing that. So what do you think that does to our clients? And just like, what are your thoughts on it in general? I don't care to be right. I don't care to be impressive. I don't care to like get a pat on the back from other coaches because that's not who I'm trying to help. I'm not a business coach. I'm not a coach's coach. I'm, a, I'm an end user, Sally, who's at work, who's miserable, who doesn't feel good. I'm trying to get her the right information because she's the one who's being misrepresented. 
and she's the one who's not being taken care of. Right. I don't need I don't I don't want to talk to the 24 year old female bodybuilder who already looks and feels great. Like I want to talk to the 48 year old woman who's got mounds of fat on her, who's on the way to type two diabetes and who can't get out of bed every morning without hating herself. That's who I want to serve. So I don't need to talk about GLUT4 receptors and glucagon and gluconeogenesis and, you know, periodized workouts to a woman who doesn't even get off her couch half the time. She doesn't need to know that stuff. She needs to understand how can I put together a meal structure on a daily basis that's going to fulfill me and satisfy me and give me the nutrition I need? How can I start to get into the gym and understand how to use some of this equipment? How can I start to implement more steps into my life? Like, And even if somebody's more advanced than even that, let's say they do regularly eat well and they say they do regularly train, well, that person still needs to continue doing what they've been doing and then maybe add a couple layers of complexity to it. Maybe now we are doing some different stuff in the gym to intensify your training. Maybe you are starting to understand how to add carbs on training days and maybe reduce carbs on non-training days if you're already that well fine-tuned but like i don't care if like alan aragon doesn't message me because i did something amazing like if he doesn't like what i do i'm not he's not my client alan doesn't need my help brett Contreras doesn't need my help eric trexler doesn't need my help i'm not out there to impress those guys you know, is it cool sometimes to get a nod from them or to have them on a podcast? Yeah, of course. It feels nice to know that you're respected and you're and you're doing things the right way. And that's exactly why I continue to educate myself no matter how much I know. And that's why I go to conferences and that's why I still buy master classes and that's why I still buy books because I still want to be on top of this information. And if somebody's out there is doing it, like I, I don't want to sit and do what Eric does. Like Eric sits through mountains of research all day long. I would drive like, Alan Bacon, the guy speaking at my conference, same thing. He sits and reads research all day. I would kill myself. I would much rather sit there and have conversations with Susan about why she was binge eating last night after dinner. Like to me, that's more interesting. Like I want to be able to understand where's that coming from? Why do you feel like that food is the only place that you have safety? And that's psychological. She doesn't need to know about you know, how her body digests carbohydrates and it breaks down into fructose versus glucose. And at what time does that get deposited into the liver? Like, who cares? Is it cool to know that stuff? Sure. But like showing that off to the world and being self-important isn't helping the people that are struggling. Like if you want to sound smart to other coaches then stop coaching people, start coaching coaches. If that's the route you want to go to, that's fine. That There's plenty of business for that. And other coaches need help. But I don't think that's the intention behind a lot of this stuff is, that's being talked about, right? Like most of these people are doing this just to chase clout and they're doing it just to sound important and to earn credibility. But like I'm, I've am i been doing this for 15 years. The stuff that I do with people works. I'm, I don't need anybody's reassurance that I'm doing it the right way. So I think that just comes from a lack of maturity and a lack of confidence. And it, it comes with that really big side of imposter syndrome that a lot of coaches have, which even I still have every once in a while. Because I'm not as smart as Eric Trexler because I don't know the nuances of meal timing and how nutrients get partitions inside inside muscle tissue. But I also don't serve that type of a clientele base, so I don't care. Nor do I have to stand in front of 5,000 people and do a dissertation about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually something, like, I would say over this past year that I'm really trying to, like, dial in on with my content is, like, what to share of my knowledge and, like, really getting those values straight of, like, okay, no, this is who I help. Like, is this, the, is this post serving them or is it, like, serving my like ego of like what I've learned because like you said it's so fun to learn that stuff and I like love the human body like I just love learning about it I'm sure you do too but when I go to post that's even something I've been working on is like what does my client actually need to hear um and we were talking about this at the gym even just being careful with 
and I'm trying to work on this more when I post about hormones or even using that term in general, just like how it might trigger someone to think I'm like saying something totally different than I am. And so even though, yes, I know stuff about that, like being more, I guess, aware with my content of like, do they actually need to hear this or do they need to hear like, you need to sleep and like, you need to eat right. Like literally like what we were talking about. Um, so yeah, yeah I see that affected like me for a while. I feel like I've dialed more back in with my content and it's getting like less complex. Um, but that even affected me just like seeing coaches who were like posting all their knowledge. And I'm like, Oh no, like our, our clients going to think, I don't know what I'm doing if I don't post about this. And like, yeah, so totally agree. It's are you, are, are you, I love that thing that you just said about, um, you know, under, asking yourself, am I doing this for me or, or am I doing this for my clients? You have to, have, you have, your, your voice has to be in accordance with who you're trying to serve. And I think a lot of coaches today don't really understand who their customer is. They don't understand who they're trying to help. And you have to assume too, like you have a big Instagram following, right? Like 70,000 plus people is not, is not nothing. That's a massive audience. And you have to, you, that's a, that's a big responsibility for you to show up in the right type of way, because there's plenty of women that are, that are, that I know who coach who have 70, 90, 150,000. What good does it serve that woman who's 40 pounds overweight when you're when you're bending over in front of your refrigerator showing your hamstrings off? You know what I mean? Like that, like is that post really for Susan who's miserable, who doesn't have a good relationship with food and has a shitty body image? Or is that post for you to get more and more attention? Now, granted, there are some women who are on Instagram purely to show off, and they make it very much known that that is their intention. But if you're a professional online coach and you're trying to educate people and you're trying to provide valuable information to them, they don't need to see you do another deadlift for the 55th time because they can go to any other page that's been doing that forever. They need to be explained why you should deadlift. Why should there be deadlifts in a program? Like explain to them why this is a movement they should incorporate as opposed to watch me do it in the lowest amount of clothes possible. And you have to just get used to, or what I had to get used to was way less engagement. Cause I used to post a lot more like body type of content, just like selfies, videos, like with the best angles, whatever. I don't really do that at all anymore. And I've just had to get used to like, I don't have a reel of me doing an RDL blow up to, you know, 60K views, but like, that's also not who I'm trying to target. And I also don't want a bunch of creepy DMs. From well, uh, that's the other part. I mean, the amount of stuff that you that ladies must get. I mean, yeah, I have mostly few. I mean, even I get creepy stuff, and I'm a dude, and I, you know, every once in a while, I'll post like a shirtless picture of me in the mirror after I've had a big meal, showing how much bloat I have, and then people will be like, "Uh," and I'm like, "I don't want to." Like, that's not what yeah. I'm here. Like, I used to be like that when I was 2015, early 30s, ready to rock and roll, single, thirsty, constantly. Like, I, sure, give me all the attention in the world, but at this point. I, I'm like the dark knight. Like, I want to just be like, I want to have a mask on. I want nobody to understand who I am or what I'm doing. Like, you know, and I don't, I'm sure you know who, do you know who Andrew Coates is? I've heard the name. He's got a pretty big following. He's got probably about a hundred, almost 200,000, but he does a lot of the text posts. Okay. And, and, and Andrew's very, like, he's always encouraged me to like put my name on stuff and label things and like really get the credit that I deserve. But I'm like, I, I'm not like, if somebody steals a post of mine, who cares? Because they can't coach the way that I coach. You can take all the ideas. None of the ideas I have are my ideas. Like nothing that I'm saying is original. This is all stuff that we know. Like we've known yeah. this stuff for decades. Like nothing. That's what I think a lot of coaches don't understand. Like what you're saying isn't special. 
Yeah. Right. Like nothing that you're saying about hormones or gut health or adrenal fatigue or any of this other stuff. It's not special. It's been said before. But what is the problem? The problem is, well, when you don't sleep well, you're going to have fatigue. That's going to probably fall into your adrenals. If you don't eat well, you're going to have digestive issues like these. It's not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like you said, going back to I guess, like I had said originally, are you posting for yourself? or the client, which, yeah, I'm, I've come a long way with that, but it's definitely still something I even have to like check myself on sometimes is like, wait, this post is like very overcomplicated for no reason. Um, but, it's at like, least, but at least you're doing it. Like so think about how many coaches aren't doing that. Yeah. They just fire off and they're like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm going to get so much attention. Like I don't, I don't post with the intention to try to get feedback on it. Mm -hmm. I just, I have stuff in my head. I get it out into the world. Yeah. And if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, like, Post yesterday had 300 likes on it. I don't, who cares? Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop posting today. I'm like, all of a sudden I'm going to get naked today and start doing like shirtless stuff because I need more attention. Like if was the post yesterday helpful, maybe to somebody, you know, it got shared a couple of times. Who cares? Today I'm going to post again. And then tomorrow I'm going to post again. Yeah. 300 likes. I feel like nowadays on Instagram on like a, just like a post is pretty solid. I feel like my yeah. posts do not get... Probably because people are so used to like my old kind of content and they're still getting used to the transition, but you probably, you probably still have the old creepy guys that are waiting for the, the half nudes of my followers, but maybe not actually. I think I have like a, I think mine's like a 90, 10%, which I don't know how, I think I got lucky with that, but 90% uh, women. women. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's um, pretty high. But I guess I got lucky with that. That's so, good. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to ask you just like for one piece of advice, like as kind of two like ending questions, um, I'll ask you for a piece of advice for newer coaches and then for someone like in the initial stages of their fitness journey who maybe is like feeling like they have a really, really long way to go. So first, what's like for maybe a newer coach who has like, I don't know, 15, I have a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast, actually. So maybe they have like 15 clients, maybe they're an AC for somebody and eventually they want to be on their own. What would you, what's some parting advice that you would give them as a newer coach in the industry? Uh, well, I, I'd say that you want to start with just really being as confident about what you're teaching and selling as much as possible. And that just comes with the continued thirst for education constantly. Like your number one priority in your head shouldn't be how much money can I make? It should be how many people's lives am I actually changing with what I know? Am I being helpful? So I think when you start to switch away from, it's almost like when our clients don't focus on fat loss, they lose weight. When they focus on fat loss, they're constantly obsessed with fat loss and that's the only thing they're chasing. So if you're chasing money, like, yeah, you'll make some, but you're going to make a hell of a lot more of it when you're just organically more helpful. So I think instead of just focusing on on the metric of, of dollars in as your number one qualifier of how good of a coach am I, it should be how many of my clients have actually gotten to their goals or how many of my clients have shifted their perspective or how am I even running my business? Like a lot of people like I, I see on Instagram, like they're shocked at how many clients I can take on at one time. They're like, well, what do you mean? You have open enrollment? I'm like, what does that even mean? Yes, if you want to be a client, sign up tomorrow. I'm good. Like I can handle 150 people. It wouldn't be a problem for me because I can manage my business. I manage my schedule. And this is all I do. Like I don't need an assistant coach. I don't need a VA. I can do it all myself. So have systems in place that allow you to manage your time better and also understand that the money comes with the results. The money comes with the respect that you earn and the trust that you earn with your clientele base. 
And if your clients like you, if your audience likes you, they'll buy from you at some point. You don't have to keep selling to them. Like that's not the goal. Like I don't sell anything to anybody. I have conversations with them like an adult and a human being. I try to help them where I can. They know that I'm a coach. So if they want to eventually sign up with me, they will. If they want to sign up with somebody else, you're more than welcome to do so. You don't have, there's plenty of us out there that are pretty good. So don't make money be the number one driver for success. Make being helpful the number one driver for success and have systems in place that make you confident about your schedule so that you're not running around feeling overwhelmed that you can't take on the business that you have in front of you. Yeah, I like that. And I think um, just with the, you mentioned like the AC and the VA and things. And I think a lot of people feel pressure because they see other coaches who have, oh, I have a VA and an OB and then I have uh, ACs, whatever, like people think that that's the model that they need to do. So I think just like get your thing down first, because like, I don't think anybody needs to be trying to have an assistant coach if they can't, like they're not even being consistent with like their own roster. But I see that happen a lot. Like people want to kind of scale quickly and then it's quickly. you have to use all this just like kind of sleazy marketing to do it. And then it's not sustainable. Um, so yeah. Okay. And then mm -hmm. A piece of advice for someone who I would say in the initial stages and they have like, it just seems like a really long way to go. What advice would you give them? The more that you have, the more ground you have to cover in front of you, the more patience you have to have. And I think that understanding that this is going to be a forever thing that, and you have plenty of opportunities to change at any moment. So who you are today is not who you're going to end up being tomorrow. And if year over year, you're making strides in the right direction, you know, I've improved my relationship with food. I don't freak out on the scale when I step on it. I do have confidence when I walk into the gym. I do have a better body image. All of those things every once in a while will still suffer. I think just understanding the length of time that all of this stuff takes physiologically to transform is probably the best piece of advice I can give anybody. And the other practical piece, that's more of the psychological thing, but the practical piece of advice is you can't change what you don't measure. So don't assume anything. Put a, a measurement system in place for everything that you think is a variable under your control. How much are you eating? What does the food look like that you're eating? What's your training actually look like? Do you understand how to train properly? If you don't have any types of measurement systems for that stuff, then you're going to always assume that things are going pretty well because you're only remembering the good stuff. And people don't, you know, most people you ask, it's like, well, what did you eat on Monday last week? Oh. I can tell you to a letter what I ate last Monday because I can pull it up on my phone and it'll show you. Um, I can tell you what my workout was last Monday. I can tell you what my sets and reps were last week on Monday. So I, if you measure it, you can change it. You can improve it. You know where the opportunities lie. But if you're just like flying blind and living by the seat of your pants, every decision you make, how the hell can you possibly change anything about anything? Yeah, that's definitely the the starting place. It's like you becoming aware. Um, yeah. I think too, for people who are just, maybe they have so far to go or it feels that way. Well, because it can definitely be the reality of it. Um, just being careful too, with like social media consumption and like who you follow. And like, if there's accounts that are just like stressing you out every time you see it, like literally, even if it's me, just like unfollow, unfollow yeah. you're working on yourself. Um, I think it's really important as well. I had to do that with like some business things as well of like people who I was like oh I need to do that with my business it's like why like no I don't um so uh, just, just simplify the noise there's so much noise everybody has Instagram everybody has a platform to say what they want so there's just so much stuff coming at you and I could see why people are overwhelmed I could see why ADHD is so high today right like there's no there's no focus 
Like I'm very, I'm very focused. I have my event. I have my business. Those are the two things I focus on. And then I obviously I have myself, mm-hmm. but like if I, if I just simplify it to like be the best coach I can for the current clients I have, don't worry about getting the next client, worry about servicing the current the ones that you have on your roster today. Are they getting everything that they possibly need? So that they, if you were to ask them for a referral tomorrow, they would be begging to give you one. That's the type of coaching you should have. And with my event, like, everything I do is to drive value to the people that I work with. So how can I provide the best possible experience, the highest level of education, the most amount of authenticity, the least amount of sales. So everything that I do is not for me. Like I know that as a byproduct of the way that I live my life with integrity, it'll come back to me at some point, but I don't expect it. So if I need it, I'll go earn it. But it's also nice to know that you're doing something positive collectively for the industry and for the people that you serve. Yeah, I love that. So I'll plug your social media in the notes. And then I know your podcast also has a lot of really good guests. I actually was scrolling through. You guys have had some really solid guests recently. So I'll link that for people as well. Um, but is there anything else that like, you want to tell about like your social media podcast event, anything like that before? Yeah. I mean, if, if you have coaches that listen to this, obviously, and if they're looking to gain more education, they want to be around a lot of like-minded professionals who are just really, really good at what they do. And they're trying to be better. Um, the event that I host in March in Vegas is the Real Coaches Summit. That's really, I, I think it's a must-attend must event in this industry. Like if you're a coach, either starting out, mid-level, even high-level, why not rub elbows with some of the best people out there? You never know who you're going to be able to invite on a podcast after you meet them. You never know what kind of business advice you'll get from somebody. You never know what kind of actual practical advice you might get from somebody who's doing things differently than you are. So just being in those rooms, right? Because like we don't, like I don't have a lot of fitness friends. So when I go to these, like I'm going to a conference next week or this week, actually in Dallas that I'll be speaking at, but like, it's, I, I, I get like fired up being in those environments. Cause I'm around people that do what I do. Cause nobody knows what the, like, your parents probably don't know what the hell you do. They're like, what do you mean? You're an online nutrition coach. What the hell does that mean? It's like, well, I sit in my apartment. I help people eat better. That's just, that's like, my parents still don't understand what I do. So for me, it's like, it's a very lonely job because it's your home all day. You're basically by yourself. You're just basically con- talking with your Instagram audience or your clients. And that's all you have. So when you get to be in these rooms with other fitness professionals, you get to kind of let off steam, get to see what other people are doing, how they're doing it. Maybe you're getting some advice from them or you're just having fun being in around people that you like being around. And I've, I've made some great friends doing that. I've, change the way I think about stuff. And I just, I think that not a lot of people are investing in, in live education anymore because it's so easy to buy classes now, but like, think about it. How many classes have you bought in the last five years that end up sitting in your mail email box that you never open up? Cause you're like, yeah, there's no urgency. But when you're in, like, in person live, you're like, you're there, you're present. And that's why I think like having the live event thing is just such a benefit to supplement the, the, the online education. And that this is the like how many years have you been doing that? This will be this is year two. So I started I started it last year, but God willing, after this year, um, it's already grown by a hundred something attendees since last year. So hopefully, it'll start to really be something. I don't have to worry about selling anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'll link I'll link all of your stuff in the show notes. But I appreciate you coming on and I will talk to you guys on the podcast next week. Bye guys. Thank you.